In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece from our travel and adventure issue. I'm really not supposed to have favorites, but I have to admit that this story is one of my favorites from the issue. It's got solo travel to a timeless, gorgeous destination, as well as a chance encounter with a handsome stranger. But more than that, it has a life-changing shift. And if you've been listening for a little while, you know that's what I'm here for. Those little tiny moments that change everything. My guest today is Anita Saysing. Anita was diagnosed at 27 with DCIS, stage zero hormone-positive breast cancer. She also discovered she has a BRCA1 mutation that is of uncertain significance. Anita loves to travel, write stories, sew, and spend time with her loved ones. She and her fiance live in Arizona with their loving toy poodle, who they acquired just a week before Anita's double mastectomy. Hey, Anita, welcome to The Burn. Hi, April. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited about this. So you are here to read a piece that you wrote called Quebec Beckons. And like I said, that was in our 2023 travel and adventure issue. So after you read, we will chat. Those of you listening, stay tuned to the very end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. All right, Anita, I'll let you take it away. Okay, thank you. During the summer of 2022, I spent most of my time watching my friends escape the monotony of everyday life. Digital postcards of their getaways plastered my social media, and I vicariously lived through them. My surgeon didn't explicitly recommend against traveling, but I knew I couldn't. The skin on my breast was at its worst from an allergic reaction, and I didn't feel comfortable traveling with my limited range of motion. With every physical therapy session, I felt the skin under my shirt screaming as it stretched and itched. I gave up on wearing bras. The friction was too much for me to handle. I tried to carry on with internal promises about how temporary my situation was. I just had to do the exercises, take the medication, and plan for the future. As a child, I loved to daydream, but as I aged, I fell in love with planning. I've made spreadsheets for future trips, projects, fashion ideas, and notes from various research. It's a beautiful feeling knowing there's something waiting for me. The idea of hope stretching its arms and beckoning me to run towards its embrace. As July came to an end, along with my physical therapy sessions, my surgeon made the difficult decision to postpone my bilateral reconstruction surgery. Am I allowed to travel? Self-consciously, I asked 
Will my expander set off the metal detectors at the airport? Gently, he smiled. You should be fine, but take your expander registration card just in case. Seven weeks later, I found myself wandering around the Petit Petit Champlain. Quebec City was filled with quaint shops and people warmly calling out to one another in French. Grade school children played in the grass, couples strolled along the Dufresne Terrace, and admired the St. Lawrence River. I felt grateful for my anonymity, keeping my diagnosis close to my chest. I was simply a young tourist in a beautiful Canadian city. As the days turned into nights, I found myself consistently returning to the same family-owned pho restaurant. Familiar mouth-watering aromas from my childhood engulfed the ravenous customers as they filed in. One windy evening in particular changed my life. That night, the restaurant owner's son smiled at my arrival and found a small table for me beside the grumpy, tired man from Montreal. I sensed his patience growing thin from the overwhelming scene of frantic waiters rushing around, so I began a conversation with him. I felt responsible for protecting the restaurant from negative reviews. They had treated me like family every time I stopped in. After the man and I exhausted the standard pleasantries about the weather and our day's activities, I teased him to remove his scarf and stay a while. He shared with me that he was only in town for a medical conference. I learned that he was a vaccine research scientist. Between the appetizers and the main course, somehow my diagnosis tumbled out of my mouth. It was the first time I mentioned breast cancer on this trip. A concerned look was painted on the man's face, and briefly, a flicker of sympathy. Not wanting to shift the atmosphere, I laughed. Well, cards on the table. No more wasting time. Let's really get to know one another. So we jumped right in and talked about everything. Somewhere between dessert and tea, the restaurant owner's son joined us with his own bowl of pho. Other waiters popped in and out of our conversation, sometimes with more desserts, and other times just to share their personal stories. As the restaurant closed, the scientist and I stepped out into the brisk autumn night with full bellies and a sense of camaraderie. Why don't you join me for dinner tomorrow, I said. I have reservations at the Fairmont Le Chateau Frontenac. He graciously accepted my invitation, and then we said our goodnights. The following evening, we ran into his human resources team and the owner of his company. We laughed into our napkins as his coworkers walked away trying to figure out how he was having dinner with an Arizonan. The scientist confided in me as our main course arrived. Since you never gave me your number, I was afraid you wouldn't show up. Or worse, I thought I made you up. I'm very real, I laughed. So where will you travel to next, he asked. Probably Italy. It's my dream to own a villa in the countryside, not too far from a little town. I want to spend my day sewing. The townspeople will call me the crazy old sewing witch. I'll mysteriously split my time between my villa and America. Not missing a beat, he enthusiastically said. You have to have arbitrary timelines. You'll leave when the first snow of the season arrives. And I'll return when the first flower blossoms in the spring, I laughed. It was like we had been friends for decades, and our schedules finally allowed us to meet up. But in hindsight, I think there was another aspect partially at play. 
the fleeting phenomena often found while traveling. There's comfort in knowing I may never see him again, and we need to make the most of our time together. My diagnosis stirred something in my soul. The human experience is finite. There's something humbling about not knowing when it'll end. I just hope that whenever I arrive at my death, I would have found a little piece of joy in each day, even if it didn't last all day. After we paid the bill, we found a quiet sitting room in another part of the chateau. We dove into heavier topics like our past relationships and our identities. Occasionally, I texted my best friend updates, so she knew I was safe. She asked me to ask the scientist why he agreed to have dinner with me. Am I a charity case? I said, smiling. Absolutely not. You aren't cancer itself. You're more than them. I agreed because you truly are special. I know you have a fiancé, so I'm not going to try anything, but he and I see your light. I wish you did too. I don't know what to say, I admitted. Sometimes I argue with myself about whether or not I should even mention my diagnosis. It's a lot to unpack. Scar tissue, missing nipples, silicone, anxiety, guilt. How did I ever make it through security with all of this baggage? So when I mentioned my breast cancer the first night, subconsciously, I must have felt safe enough to talk to him about it. His understanding was truly the best souvenir. When we finally parted ways, I replayed our serendipitous conversations. The sound of his French accent, the way he teased me for my Americanness, and overall how he made me feel comfortable. This beautiful encounter will forever be engraved in my heart because I had my very own version of the movie before sunrise, where time seemingly stood still and a stranger was able to peer through my messy chest and into my soul. It reaffirmed that cancer isn't the only adventure left in my life. A hundred percent. Oh my goodness, Anita, thank you so much for reading your story. I just love it so much. Okay, we will take a quick break here and then we will dig in. Hi friends, there is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone you will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hi, my name is Katie Anothka and I live in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer at age 30 in 2018. 
Wildfire magazine definitely changed my view on cancer. Before I even found out what wildfire was, I was in the throes of doctor's appointments, surgeries, being a stay-at-home mom, completely overwhelmed with cancer. My aunt actually gifted me a subscription to Wildfire magazine, and that's when my views on cancer changed. I saw women with different bodies enjoying life and living. Since then, I've done the same. Sharing about wildfire with others diagnosed with breast cancer has given me life. All right. Thank you so much for the love, Katie. I appreciate your testimonial so much. Welcome back, Anita. Thank you so much for your story, Quebec Beckins. I just love listening to you read it. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for allowing me to read it. <laughs> Absolutely. So I have lots of questions, and I think what I want to start with is the the writing. You are such a master at uh, pulling us into the scene, and I think one of the ways that you did that so effectively was with dialogue. So I want to ask you if this story represents, you know, you and how you write, or if there was something different about your use of dialogue here. And I'm also curious if you were kind of journaling through this trip or how it stayed so fresh for you. Okay, so I I would like to call myself an amateur writer. Um, it, is, <laughs> it is a dream, but one day I would like to write like a young adult fiction. So I think dialogue is really important. <laughs> Sometimes Just. descriptions can't, I guess describe <laughs> better than dialogue because it's just straight from the horse's mouth. <laughs> um, Definitely. For this trip, I think the reason why it stayed so fresh, it's because I just replay it. I know that sounds kind of funny, but I really do relive it. And when I saw the prompt, Travel and Adventure, I literally stayed up and I was supposed to be working on something else, but this just poured right out of me. <laughs> I love I love it when it happens that way. It's so satisfying as a writer, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just I just think the dialogue gave us such I don't know, it was like we were sitting at the table with you two, you know, and like you said, in a way that's very different from just describing how it felt, you really showed us how it looked there, what it sounded like, you know the words that he was choosing and your responses, like it just felt more intimate maybe than than if you hadn't included the dialogue. So I just I just love that it was there for you. And it's such a good reminder, I think, to others to try to use dialogue because that's that's chiefly how we are communicating with our fellow humans. But so many times people are, I think, afraid to try to write it or they try to include everything and then it's those little gems get lost, you know, in in everything. So I think you did such a good job of really teasing out those important lines. And um, I don't know, I'm just gushing over you. I just love it so much. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. I know when I when I was writing, because gosh, it took like we were together over a span of like two days. So I had to decide what I wanted to share and what I didn't. And since both of the times took place, you know, like over dinner or just like afterwards, it almost felt like this welcome for readers to come in and be like, come sit at our table, come join us. You know what I mean? Like I, 
I don't want you to be afar. I want you to enjoy the food too. Like food for thought, good conversation, right? (laughs) Exactly. Um, And it really reads like a postcard, you know, that we are receiving from this place. And that's the best kind of travel writing is when you get to vicariously travel along with the writer. So yeah, I was picturing the whole thing for sure. But I do have some other questions for you. Um, You know, this whole story began with this idea of of FOMO, you know, and I think that this fear of missing out is very common now, especially with social media being such a presence in our lives. And when something like a breast cancer diagnosis comes along that sidelines us a little bit while our friends are continuing to travel or in our community, you know, friends are getting married, having babies, like doing all these big things that sometimes feel like we are just watching instead of getting to do ourselves. And it can be really painful. And so I'm just kind of curious about that, those feelings of FOMO for you and and kind of how you got through it. And if you still feel that sometimes. I think I still feel FOMO just even, even if I wasn't, you know, a breast cancer survivor. I think it's just with technology, we are just so exposed like to different things happening. Like I was talking to my parents and they're like, growing up, we didn't know what anyone did (laughs) around the neighborhood. (laughs) So I think trying to balance FOMO as well is just trying to put it into perspective that it's just not my time, but there will be time. Mm -hmm. And that Mm kind of gives you that hope to, to dream, right. And plan and do all these things. Um, I'm sorry, does that answer your question? (laughs) Well, no, it really does. You know, and you're really kind of bringing me back to various moments in my life when I had to tell myself that, you know, like you just said, it might not be my time right now, but there will be that time. And sometimes I have to kind of calm myself by reminding myself there'll be an after to whatever is happening right now, you know, and that this isn't forever, whatever it is, you know, this this particular moment or my inability to do something that looks amazing that someone else is doing, or I'll have my own take on that at some point. Um, and that is comforting and soothing. And then sometimes we just have to turn it off, right? And not consume the things that make us feel so much unpleasant yearning, I guess. Yes, 100% agree. And I feel like also during the pandemic, Like there was that time where everyone was like, take your space, right? Take time Mm -hmm. to do what you need to do. And it doesn't make you like a bad person or a bad friend. So like we're all going through our own things, breast cancer or not. And I think by having that understanding that we too need space, I think that'll put you in a better like track after after your FOMO or after your feelings, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, and I like this idea, too, of, you know, making plans for the future and letting that be that kind of um, guideline that pulls you through whatever today's hard thing is. And I love that you planned this trip, you know, and it gave you something to look forward to. I'm also kind of curious if solo travel is a normal thing for you. Like, I didn't get the sense that this was your first solo adventure. No, actually, I enjoy solo traveling. So... There's something freeing because I've done group travel before. And sometimes if your group is not like traveling compatible, (laughs) 
then um, some people can get like upset if we don't do all of the points that they want to do. So I think it's sometimes just you book your own plane ticket and you just go, right? (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I'm definitely the kind of person who wants the freedom to, you know, linger and photograph whatever as long as I want to or, you know, eat this food or that food. And I haven't done a lot of solo travel, but it really like calls to me. But I think there's... um. I don't know, I have a little bit of fear. Like how, do you, did you have any fear the first time that you went out solo? Like, you know, flying away and going on that level of travel? I think, I think it's more of like excitement and it probably stems from because when I was 18, I moved across the country to come to college. And then I, because I grew up in Pennsylvania and then like four days after my high school graduation, I was like, all right, bye, mom and dad. <laughs> so I've just always been kind of alone. <laughs> and then you make so many new friends along the way. And then you realize that it's not so scary. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like you you maybe set out alone, but you weren't alone during it, as we see in your story, you know, having dinner with someone or just near near to other people who are also experiencing travel lets you know that others are doing this too and you can choose to overlap or not with them I think that's really kind of it's a cool aspect of it yes I agree I feel like traveling is just so for everyone right like it could be for families it could be for couples it could be solo it could even be like I said like a bachelorette party something it's it's kind of if you plan down to a T and this is my philosophy then you might miss some things. And I think for this Quebec trip, if I planned everything down to a T and was like, I only want to go to one restaurant and then go to a different one and then a different one, no more overlapping times. And I probably wouldn't have run into the scientist. (laughs) Yeah, I like that you left space for, you know, spontaneity and just to see what came along. And I think another aspect of that is it sounds like you didn't necessarily give yourself a hard and fast rule that cancer wouldn't be on the trip with you. I know that you um, were enjoying that anonymity of not having people know that you had had breast cancer. Can you talk a little bit about the decision or lack of decision when it kind of spilled out of your mouth that you did have cancer? I think I think when it spilled out, It was just, it even took me by surprise because sometimes I forget that like I am still young and I, and I am, I'm more than just cancer. And it's so hard because like just cancer is really not just cancer, right? Like it is a part of our life and our identity, but I guess it's not the only thing. And so at that time in that headspace, I was just told, you know, I wasn't going to have my double mastectomy. All these things just happened. Like I, I put my wedding on hold, right? So it just felt nice to not have to think about it for a little bit. And then almost like reality set back in where I was like, hey, this is a part of me. Like if I am truly comfortable with this person, like maybe I can share. It's a safe space. I think that's true. And as you were talking, I was also thinking, you know, there are, there is so much comfort in getting to choose what people know about us. But there's also, 
you have to be willing to be vulnerable sometimes and let people actually see you. And this thing that happened to you isn't all of you, but it left a mark, you know, and it is a significant part of how you see the world or see yourself in the world. And so in order for us to to know people, we have to sometimes be willing to be vulnerable and share those aspects of it. And I just really love that you were willing to because that was how you got to this new place of wholeness, you know, in being vulnerable to this stranger, which kind of leads me to my next question. And I, I don't totally know what the question is, but it feels like this person was able to give you something that maybe people who knew you really well, your fiance, your friends, your family, couldn't, like it needed to come from from a stranger and a chance encounter. Would you agree with that? Or what? what is your feeling there? I completely agree. Like when people know you so well, right? You kind of wonder, you're like, oh, are you are you walking on eggshells to protect my feelings, protect my experience? Like sometimes my friends would come in with conversations like, only if you feel comfortable, please respond, right? But mm-hmm. when you're with a stranger, you know, they don't owe you anything. They have no ties to you. So Whatever he says that comes out of his mouth is what he truly thinks, right? Like he doesn't have to spare my feelings. And so I feel like he spoke his truth and that allowed me to believe this idea that, wow, in that moment, I I can be, I can have more adventures, like because this stranger just reaffirmed that, this trip reaffirmed that. It wasn't someone trying to to be toxic positive and like be like, look on the bright side. I got to experience it with someone that doesn't owe me anything. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I love that I'm flashing to, you know, other conversations I've had with other strangers where, you know, I've been in that same same spot of deciding, you know, if I'm gonna share this part or not, or I'm out with a group of other women who've also experienced breast cancer and someone says, how do you all know each other? And, you know, there is that beat Mm -hmm. of like, do we want to share this? Do we not? And I think part of that is because sometimes strangers don't say the right thing, you know, and sometimes there is kind of a toxic positivity or, you know, oh, my my mom had that and my mom passed from that or whatever, you know, those little comments that kind of come in. And so sometimes you do feel like you have to brace, you know, for how is this going to go? Um, but I love that you took that chance and you rolled that dice and, and it ended up being such a beautiful thing. And I'm really glad that you decided to be that vulnerable with him. Yeah. I, spontaneity and chance and just that whole trip. I really do think about it so often. <laughs> I Not only the conversation, but just like humanity. It's just amazing how we can come together over a bowl of pho, which I grew up with, you know, my mom has made that. And so it was like a little bit of home. And he now feels like a little bit of part of me, my heart, my home. Just, it was great. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I love that. So where will you go next? What's next on your list? Gosh. So in December, I will be in Peru. Um, It'll be two years from my diagnosis and then one year from my bilateral reconstruction. And so as like an anniversary, I'm going to hike Machu Picchu. 
with a friend. I love it. Yeah, he he I think lived there for a few years when he was young and so we're going to go experience his culture and then we we might even bring another friend too from college. <laughs> ah, that sounds fantastic. So even though we're recording this in September, this will air in December. So people listening to this um, on or around the time that it comes out, you may be in Peru while we're we're listening to you. Do you post um, travel pictures and can people follow you online? Um, I do have a personal Instagram account if they would like to follow me uh, or send me a message, ask me any questions they want. My Instagram is at Anita. 9218. Perfect. Okay. We will definitely link to you. Well, Anita, thank you so much for joining me and giving us this little postcard into Quebec and giving us this backstory on your that particular adventure, but also just your philosophy around travel. And I hope you have a wonderful time in Peru and wherever you uh, jet set to next after that. Thank you so much, April. Thank you. So my guest today has been Anita Saysing. She wrote the story Quebec Beckons, which you will find in our 2023 travel and adventure issue. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young people like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. If you want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories, please visit us at wildfirecommunity.org. You'll find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, our 40-plus issues in the Wildfire archives, and you can take a writing workshop with me. There's no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And if you got value out of this conversation, please share it with your friends and family. You can take a screenshot of the episode in your pod player, and you can also share this out on your social media. Please tag me. I'm at wildfire underscore BC underscore community. And you can tag Anita as well. She's at Anita9218. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, please take a second and leave us a five-star review. I would be forever grateful. All right, and that brings us to our writing prompt. As always, I want you to set your timer for eight minutes. 10 minutes works too, 15 works as well, but set your timer for some amount of time and write without stopping or editing yourself. The prompt is, in order to feel whole, right now I need. In order to feel whole, right now, I need. See what comes out, see where it will take you. And if you find that you write best with a good prompt, I have lots of them for you. Head to wildfirecommunity.org free and get yours today. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.